Here's what you get on today's episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. There's a lot of coaches saying this is the only way to do it. You do it this way and you will get results. And it's absolutely not true. We're all unique people with unique wants and desires as well. Some women want to have a business so that they can be at home with their children um, and pick them up from school. And some women want to be traveling around the world and not have children. And some women, you know, it doesn't matter what they want. And, you know, it's the same for men. We all want different things. And whether you want a house with a white picket fence or whether you don't want a house at all when you want to travel the world, then who am I to tell you that's not the way that it needs to be? I'm very, very passionate about whatever it is that you want to do. Let's build a business that matches that and very against cookie cutter systems. The adventure of entrepreneurship and building a life and business you love, preferably at the same time, is not for the faint of heart. That's why Heather Pierce Campbell is bringing you a dose of guts, grit, and great business stories that will inspire and motivate you to create what you want in your business and life. Welcome to the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast, where endurance is required. Now here's your host, the legal website warrior, Heather Pierce Campbell. Alrighty, welcome. I am Heather Pierce Campbell, the legal website warrior. I'm an attorney and legal coach based here in Seattle, Washington, serving entrepreneurs throughout the US and around the world. I am so excited today to welcome you to another episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business with my friend, Samantha Riley. Welcome, Samantha. Heather, I'm so excited to be here with you today. Oh my gosh. Well, I feel so grateful, especially knowing that you're fitting me in between um, move, a move, a big move and lots of bad weather. Samantha's in <laughs> Australia, for those of you that don't know. And we were just literally talking about how you have flooding like north, you know, in areas north mm -hmm. of where you are, that's really massive, really, really yeah. major flooding. So man, there's some crazy things, but I'm so grateful to have your time this morning. And it's a Saturday morning for you, which makes it even more yeah. special. And I'm just so excited to have you. It's really, like we've been trying to do this for a very long time now. We're talking years, <laughs> not months, not days. We've been talking about this for years, but we've made it happen. We're here. We've made it. Well, it is. Samantha just reminded me that apparently when we first connected, I've blocked it out. I joked that it was probably PTSD related or like such low sleep. I think my baby girl was close to a year or something and she's a non-sleeper and has been for a long time, but I'm finally over the hump and, you know, maybe we'll be a little bit more sane. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you will. <laughs> uh, so for folks that don't know Samantha, Samantha Riley is an authority positioning strategist, a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the Influence by Design podcast, and has been on the judging panel for the Stevie Awards Women in Business for the past two years. She has built multiple businesses over the past 28 years and grew her first seven-figure business from the ground up before the age of 30. Samantha now works with coaches and practitioners to sell and deliver their expertise online so that they can live their life by design. Oh, that's such a lovely bio, Samantha. Nobody else has oh, that bio. No, it's very <laughs> unique, actually. <laughs> it is. I love it. I mean, there's so much, there's so much to learn about you and your story. So 
I would love for you to share how you got started. Like, where did the interest in business begin? I think that I was one of those people that was born with entrepreneurship in my blood. Because when I think about it, in I would have been in maybe third grade. I remember I used to make these like sticky hard toffees and I used to make them in little patty pan like little cupcake things and I used to make them and you know you can tell I'm an I'm a 70s kid because I would never have let my children boil you know sugar on a stove top but you know I did in the third grade <laughs> and I'm here to tell the story but anyway I used to take them to school and I remember people say oh my goodness they look so good can we have one and in my head I'm thinking have one I can sell you one. <laughs> so I started making these sticky toffees after school every night and selling them. And it got to a point where I got so sick of doing this every night that I actually outsourced this to my brother and sister. And I would pay them something like 20 cents to make all these sticky toffees that I sold at school the next day. So really, uh, it was it, that was kind of my first, my first foray into entrepreneurship and um, my first traditional business actual real business was um, when I was 20 and I opened a dance studio. And by the time I was 21, we'd also opened a retail store that turned into two within a few years. So I've been in business all my life and um, yeah, done many different types of businesses. Mm -hmm. So it's not something my parents were not in business. I don't know where it came from, but interesting. Yeah, in my first job, I actually, my first job was working in a McDonald's store and the owner of that store was the owner of four stores. And I used to sort of go in after school, um, you know, with my little school uniform on and sit on his desk and ask him questions about what he was doing, you know, how do you do those rosters? Or, you know, in those days he would do his accounting on, a, on an old journal and I used to say, how does that work? Can you explain it to me? And Thinking back, I'm really, really grateful because I was only 16 at the time and he used to explain it all to me. And when I went for my first full-time job, I remember going in there and, and he was sitting at the desk and he said, what have you been up to, Sam? I said, oh, I just went in for an interview for my first, first full-time job. And he said, oh, who's it with? And he got on the phone straight away and said, you need to hire this girl. She's the most incredible teenager I've ever met. So, you know, I, I had him that I looked up to and uh, I've always just had an interest in business. Mm, I love that. You know, it's funny. You reminded me that because I, one of my first jobs, aside from paper route and like really young, you know, little jobs that I'd pick up here and there to make a few cents. Mm -hmm. I worked at Wendy's, right? Mm -hmm. And so working in fast food, as horrible as it was, right? Having to put on a polyester uniform and get on my bike and ride it <laughs> like in a hundred degrees wet weather across town in the middle of summer, right? Because it was a summer job. Um, because you couldn't change, you couldn't like come as a citizen and change in the bathroom and then you know be an employee. You had to show up in uniform, which was awful for me. Anyways, it's all the whole thing is systems based, right? Any fast yeah. food restaurant, any chain, right, is entirely based on systems. And that was eye-opening because you know, you learned timelines and how quickly things are supposed to be done to keep like the drive-through moving at the proper speed. And mm -hmm. like how I remember like counting down to the seconds, how quickly we were supposed to make a single hamburger, right? I mean, it was, <laughs> it's so interesting because I think a lot of people might take for granted the really powerful things you can learn inside of a business like that. 
do you know how grateful I am for having my first job at McDonald's? Because I, so my husband at the time also, well, he was my husband, you know, not exactly when I was 16, yeah. but I met my <laughs> husband there um, and uh, and he, were, he was a manager there as well. So I used to see the operating manuals mm-hmm. and I thought that every single business ran like a McDonald's store because that's all I knew. That was the only job I'd ever had. So I actually thought that every business had systems like that. So when we opened our first retail store, I re- I recreated those systems. And as you would know, Heather, the system for what exactly do you say when someone walks in the door? What exactly do you say when someone says they want something? Exactly how does it happen when you're doing your opening procedures? So I created my first retail store in exactly the same way. Mm. And it wasn't until years later that I was told, no, no, uh, this is not how every business runs. And I was like, really? I just thought that <laughs> Fly was Fly by the seat I of was, their pants. <laughs> well, I was also flying by the seat of my pants, but luckily I did understand what yeah. these operating procedures were and I just recreated them all. So yeah. I, I believe that's why that we were able to grow so quickly without any business experience. Right. Well, that's amazing. At age 20, starting your first business and then, you know, growing to multiple locations so soon. What, when you look at the the experience inside of McDonald's, aside from systems, was there anything else that were big takeaways from that early work experience? Hmm. Probably more as I got older and I didn't see it more so at the time, but mm. as I, as we grew the business and as we um, got more staff, I, I did think back to the, the management that, that was liked by the staff and the management that wasn't liked by the staff and the, uh, the uh, like reciprocal behaviour of the staff that would come into play. And even the way I used to act if I didn't really relate to or um you know look up to a a manager how that would play out in a shift um and it took but that took me actually quite a long time to get that learning because Mm -hmm. leadership didn't didn't really come very naturally to me at the beginning i didn't understand leadership and and how to get my team to to work together Mm -hmm. i'm much better at it now no, well, I at age 20, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but even sort of until I was in my mid 30s, I would still mm. get frustrated. Like, you know, we had 35 on our team and I would still get frustrated sometimes thinking, wow, like, you know, these guys are complaining because they didn't get a shift this week where, you know, I've had to not buy groceries this week because I had to make payroll or I had to pay tax or whatever it was. And I used to take that very personally where now I think, well, it's actually none of their business. That's that's my business. And you know, just make sure I look after them. So that did take a long time for that mm, to settle in. Yeah. At what point did you start helping others with their businesses? Where Where did you make that shift? So that happened. So after sold my dance studio, mm-hmm. sold the retail stores, and there was this um, period in between dance and business where I was in the health and fitness industry. So mm-hmm. I was a personal trainer, and um, I opened a wellness center, and we used to run retreats. And we used to run retreats um, 
on building your life by design, which is essentially mm. still what I do behind my business. And we used to talk about um, all of the different sorts of things in your life to be healthy, your nutrition and hydration and sleep and breathing. Um, we used to talk about relationships and love language. And, and one of the pieces that was in this was career. It was just one of the little pieces. And what happened was it, at the end of each of these retreats, people would come to me and say that the play, the part of my life that I'm really unhappy with is my career. How do I make the transition into opening a business? And then I would I would help them. And it kind of got to this point where I had this like quite a large amount of clients that I was te- that I was working with with business, but I wasn't charging them because I hadn't the the penny had not dropped <laughs> you hadn't made and the I, shift yeah I hadn't decided I hadn't I hadn't even noticed sometimes I, I do some things that are really quite blonde but anyway I remember at the time saying to my business coach like what should I do I've got all you know if we're, we're doing these retreats blah 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 but I've got all of these people he's got he's like how many people are you helping with business tell me about this again and you haven't seen what's happening Sam what sh-? and I was like well what should I do and he looked at me like are you kidding me like, do I need to spell this out to you? So that was about 2011. He spelled it out mm. to me. I did get the I did get the memo, and I went into into coaching business owners. And I guess really, what I hadn't noticed is, and, and I think that this is where a lot of people struggle in business mm. that they don't see that the their expertise or what they're actually doing. And business is actually two separate things. And I hadn't really seen the correlation. So for me, I'd been in business since I was 20, but in my head I was like, but I was in dance and then I was in health and wellness, not really seeing that the the golden thread underneath all of them was I'd been in business for a very long time. And where, and you know, how that played out in, in my coaching was that because I'd run so many different businesses and because we'd had so many things, you know, fail or we'd tried so many things, is that I can see things that other people can't because I know that to get to 10, you could add 7 plus 3 or you could add 6 plus 4 or you could add 5 plus 5. There's so many different ways to get to the end result and I realised that because I'd had so much experience that I was able to help people so so much easier than some other people that I knew that were in the industry. Mm. Well, and it it is the case. I mean, even that example of where you left, like, yes, he had to spell it out for me, right? We (laughs) We all have those areas where we're good at spelling it out for somebody in a different way, like around a unique topic or on a particular pain point, right? But sometimes it's so fascinating. We all have those moments where we need that ourselves in our own work, in our own business. So Totally. And don't you think that the the thing that you find the easiest, you're often quite blind to? Yes. The thing that you're really, really good at, it comes so easily to you that you don't even acknowledge it or notice that you're actually doing it. Yes. It's, you know, it's after 20 years now of practicing law, right? When I look back at some of my favorite cases and my favorite work, the solutions did not come from the legal system. The salute, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I tell people like, I don't approach when a client shows up at my door, even though I'm an attorney, I, I'm not asking, how do I solve this problem within the context of the law? It's how do I solve this problem? How do I help this client solve this problem? Right. And to your point about the golden thread, like 
it, it is like how how do we view ourselves and our business more holistically so that we bring all of ourselves and all of our mm-hmm. areas of genius to you know in service to our clients and i think it's really easy for us to it's a little bit like looking at a piece of pie that, or in a pie that's been cut into all these pieces, like this one lives here, this one lives here, and this one lives here, huh? right? Versus seeing it like a ball of clay with all of these colors mushed together, right? 100%. Yeah. yeah. So you now get to bring in, like, yeah, you know, we talked about before going live, like the unique way that you approach your work and with your clients and bringing in this other, you know, like we were talking briefly about human design, this whole, Mm -hmm. like bringing your whole self to your work and in service of your clients. What do you love most about where you are now and what you're doing now? I think... What I love most is that I finally leaned into who I am authentically. And I'm not a massive fan of the word authentic purely because I believe that it's overused and it's been taken a little bit out of context. But who I really am that maybe over the years I've hidden little parts, like I've got quite a a spiritual side where, um, and I know that you've seen it in some of the calls that we've had, you know, um, with other friends of ours where it's like, well, you know, I'll get out the essential oils and I'll pull out my tarot cards and, you know, I'll read my daily energy forecast. What are the planets doing? (laughs) And I used to keep that very hidden because I didn't want people to think that I was flaky because Mm -hmm. I'm also at the same time, very systems oriented. I'm always, you know, paying attention to my KPIs. I always know where my numbers are at. I'm always trying to beat percentages. So I've got this like really, um, I guess, practical side. And because I wanted people to take me seriously, I kept this other more spiritual side Mm. hidden where now I'm just I know, guess I got to that age, you know, I'm over well over 40 now. I got to that age where I'm just like, you know what, this is this is actually what happens behind the scenes and by me not sharing the way that I run my business, I'm potentially not giving my clients the full picture that they may need to also embrace all of this. Mm. And the most beautiful part of that is that when I did that, the people that I started attracting were people that were of course, my mirror. They were also very good at what they did. Amazing experts in their in their niche and in the industry that also would be like, Sam, what's the energy doing today? Like, I'm feeling a little bit off. Like, what does it mean? And and you know, we'll have a look and say, well, today is a time where maybe you know it's time to step away. Or today, it's like, well, that's here to teach you a lesson. Like, let's lean into it and see what comes up. So it's it's this beautiful, you know merging of of two worlds and that's what I love um so that's what I love in business and the fact that I've built my business out to be online now so I don't need to be at my place of work I don't um I don't need to be putting a key in the door and and being there you know over the years I've I've had to show up at work when my kids were sick or you know where I really didn't want to be there where now I can still do that and um I can work anywhere where I want. And I do. I work from home. And like you said, we're moving. And uh, I, when I rang my accountant and said, hey, we're moving, uh, you know, can probably the agent's going to ring. He's like, why would you not? You can work wherever you want. Like, that's so awesome, Sam. So, yeah. That's amazing. Well, and as you described kind of how your work has evolved and, you know, this 
this whole thing about like bringing these other parts of you to your work and in service to your clients. It's like what I pictured. And I think so often we do this is we think, I mean, I'll take the legal world, for example, right? If you go to my, you know, my legal website, warrior website, like I'm so clear that people would not show up to that website and be like, Oh, this is a law office. <laughs> right. And for the longest time, I didn't like my, even now, like for people that are not watching the video, right. I have like this, I have the whole series of hats that I love that feel adventurous to me. Like to me, business is adventure. Like, like there, I have a strong connection between nature and like adventure outdoors and my relationship to business. Those things are very paralleled. And, and yet I think for a long time, like my website, my work did not reflect the fact that that's how I felt and that that's the vision that I had for not only my own business, but my clients' businesses as well, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. and then when you're able to express all of you through your work, and I think in that way, I've done a pretty good job of like bringing my creativity to my work, but not necessarily to the vision of who I am online, my website, my marketing, right? There's all these other ways that you can, I think, hide parts of yourself or hold back a little bit. And like mm -hmm. when you were describing your work, because you are, you're so, you're so strong in business fundamentals and it's kind of like, all right, cut the fluff. Let's get to what matters, right? Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. you have this really beautiful, soft, intuitive, very wise side as well that like, it's a little bit like the difference between having, you know, this vision that's very clear that takes up the main frame and then filling it out with all the periphery, mm -hmm. right? And so now I see you like working not only in the main frame, but like in all of the periphery with your clients. Mm -hmm. That's just, mm -hmm. it's the vision that came to mind when you were describing the way that you work now. It's really beautiful. And, and I think that we... I think that the world has changed a bit and it, it has made it easier for me to lean into this. And if there's nothing that the last two years has taught us is that we have the, there's this whole life and business is just part of it. We've got, you know, we've got relationships and we've got, you know, health and wellness and fitness and finances and, and spirituality and education and career, all of these different pieces. And if, if we keep all of these different buckets separate, we're not actually able to reach our full potential in any area. So if we lean right into it, we can really build out this life that is fulfilled and and, and full, I guess, rather than feeling like, is there more? Yeah. Like, what are we here for? And, and I think that really the last two years, a lot of people have, have sort of come to this conclusion, like maybe I was just coasting along. Maybe I don't want to be doing this anymore. This, you know, maybe I want, you know, I want to be more fulfilled. So, you know, um, yeah. It's yeah. So true. Well, and that whole, like, maybe I was just on autopilot or coasting along, or maybe I've been sacrificing too much all this time. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I can make different decisions that, that don't force me into this position of sacrifice. Right. Mm, totally. 
Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about your work now, who your clients are. I know you have an amazing podcast. I've listened to it. For anybody listening, you're going to want to hop over and check out Samantha's podcast at Influence by Design, which I'm sure you can find on all the channels. Um, And I know you do a lot in the world of thought leadership, right? Talk to us a bit about your clients and your work. Where, What are you up to now and who do you help? Yeah, so the people that I help are coaches, practitioners, experts, Mm -hmm. course creators, and I help them to stop being the world's best kept secret and to really lean into being the thought leader that people turn to. Mm-hmm. And and I'm by being the thought leader people turn to, what I mean is you're not the person that people come to for free advice. Mm-hmm. The pe- you're the person that when someone's got a problem that they want solved and they need it solved fast and they're willing to pay money to have that problem solved, mm-hmm. you are the person that they turn to because they know that you can you're the person to solve that problem. So the people that I work with are super, super smart people. Um, They've been working in their area of expertise for a long time Mm -hmm. and they generally know so much stuff that they have trouble being able to unpack that or explain Mm -hmm. it clearly. They have trouble being able to understand how to leverage that. So, you know, we're really trying to help them to move from a one-to-one model to a one-to-many model Mm -hmm. so that they can really make a much bigger, you know, have more influence and make a much bigger impact. So helping them to unpack their IP or their intellectual Mm -hmm. property, um, helping them to come on to come into an online model Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, being known as that thought leader. I want to talk for a minute, even just about the phrase thought leader, right? Or thought leadership. Mm-hmm. When I think about it, I think there's a lot of people who are thought leaders that don't think of themselves as thought leaders, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. are really hesitant. Like, I mean, I, I, and there's a, like, even in my mind, I'm like, yeah, you don't, you want to be a thought leader. I think most people are really reticent to apply the label Mm -hmm. to themselves, right? Can Mm -hmm. you talk to us about that phrase? Yeah. So this, I love that you bring this up. This is something I'm super passionate about because exactly what you said, there's a few, there's a few parts to this. A lot of people, uh, when I talk about this, they go, oh, but I'm not a thought leader. Yeah. Well, no. Okay. Maybe you're not yet. Uh, but, but you're an expert and and it's funny because even some people will go oh I, I don't know I'm not I don't even want to call myself an expert and I say do you know stuff oh yeah I know heaps have you been doing this for a long time yeah are you able to solve people's problems oh yeah I could do that with my eyes shut then you are an expert and probably with a little bit of help you can be a thought leader and you probably already are where I get really passionate is when I see people saying, you need to have that thought leadership bestowed upon you by someone else. And I'm of the opinion that why should we wait for someone else to tell us who we are and what we're here to do? Like we're, we're in control of our lives. And in actual fact, once we put that thought leader hat on, it's mm. amazing how it can actually take our own work to the next level. You know, if I'm working on a framework or a, or a visual model or I'm, I'm unpacking, you know, a new, a new piece of work that I'm doing, I'll look at it and, and you know, I'll go, Sam, I'll ask myself, Sam, is that thought leadership or is that good enough to be mm-hmm. for someone to say you're a thought leader and I look no it's not and I will keep working at it so by me putting on that hat mm-hmm. of being a thought leader it's actually helping me to push myself further to really like step up and I think that 
we can we can believe whatever we want, right? But my belief is that we're all thought leaders. We just need to step into that. And mm. and I think that if we do that, it's amazing what I've seen people do once they actually embrace that. Mm. I love it. I'm having goosebumps right now. What it what it brings to mind for me, because you've described it almost like an exercise. If I were a thought leader, is this work product sufficient to meet that level, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. actively trying that on. There's um there is a actually a gentleman who I just had in my podcast, but I learned of his work years ago, Dr. John Demartini, who has a mm-hmm. whole exercise that you do Mm -hmm. around trying on the greats being one of the most powerful exercises you can do within his work. Right. And it is about who do we look up to, right? It's because there's some part of us that has that in us. Right. So when we admire people in the same way that when we look at somebody and go, Ooh, (laughs) that's really a turnoff or it bothers me or whatever. Right. We haven't, we are repelled by something. It's also because we have that element in ourselves and it repels us. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that idea though, about thought leadership, I, I just love the, you know, first of all, it being displayed, like you just talked about, like as an exercise, like, okay, take the thought leader hat, put it on and act from the place of already assuming or behaving like a thought leader. And I think mm-hmm. you're right in the way that you said, like, I think so many people want that label bestowed on them by others, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How talk to me about your definition of thought leadership. I think thought leadership is being able to put your thoughts together in a way that is new so that you are able to influence and lead others. Yeah. All of us have, you know, even Heather, if you and I had something that we were doing that was identical, the experiences and the expertise and you know, different, even different life experiences that have got nothing to do with our work. With all of that behind us, the way that we present that work is completely differently. Mm-hmm. And this really was um, something that came to me. It was going back probably maybe about eight years ago. And I've got a really, really good friend and he's, um, he's in a different generation to me and, he, and he's male, he's younger, mm-hmm. and we're really, really good friends. And we were sitting on the balcony one night and it's all good conversations start. It started with a bottle of wine <laughs> and we were sitting there and having a conversation and he's like, Sam, tell me what you're up to. And I, and I said, oh, this is what I'm working on. This is what I want to launch. And he went, oh. And I went, oh, is it bad? And he went, no, I had the same thought. That's what I was going to do. And I went, well, you can do it. I said, in actual fact, and this is where I had a very vulnerable moment, you would do it better than me anyway because it's someone that I really look up to. Mm-hmm. And he's, and this is where the conversation opened up where he went, well, isn't this interesting because I wouldn't have done it because I think you would do it better. And it opened up this beautiful conversation where we both realised that we were both holding each other back because we both had each other, you know, we in high regard. Mm-hmm. But realising we're different generations he's male, I'm female, we compl- we attract completely different people into our worlds. And in actual fact, the way that we do things is completely differently because we've both got different experiences, even right back to our schooling because we're in different generations. And both of us that night had the, the hugest epiphany to realise that no one does what you do the way that you do it. Yes. And I think that with thought leadership, 
that mm. that's what we're bringing to the table it's our unique take on on what we're teaching mm, i love that well and accepting that we are all unique even if we're in the same area because i think people do generally get kind of fearful or you know not always territorial but a little bit like oh you know if even amongst i've seen it even amongst colleagues and my opinion, I, I've always been a little bit of a kind of an open door policy, open book kind of person, right? And even early on in my career, if I didn't know how to do something, I would say, you know what, this is not in my area of expertise, but I know people who do this. Okay. I can either help facilitate an introduction to them, or we can bring them on board and both benefit from the expertise. And even today, I have a client who I just helped set up a business, an LLC. He's going to do some consulting for startups. I work with a lot of consultants. I don't do a ton of work in the startup community because my clients are building sustainable businesses as a vehicle for doing really meaningful work themselves, right? Mm -hmm. They might build a team. They might have all of these other pieces of the business that they need to build out, but they're generally not looking to like sell it off and make a hundred million dollars in five years. Right. So yeah, I said yeah. to my client, you might just connect with this other guy who's a phenomenal attorney works, you know, a lot more with startups. And so we did, he had a phone call with him directly. I just made a direct introduction. I said, I think you should talk about your, you know, your engagement agreement. And he got back to me and he was like, that was brilliant. He was perfect. He answered these very specific questions. And now will you help me do the rest? Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like this competition of, and I didn't worry whether or not he would go, you know, hire him for all the rest of his business needs or whatever. I just thought whatever will happen will happen, but I want him to be well served. He still came back and he was so thrilled to have that new introduction. And the reason he came back, and this is something that's not talked about enough, the reason he came back was because there was trust. And this is something that we've that I've always always done in my business. So back in my dance studio, uh, dance store days, we used to fit little um, little children with ballet shoes. Um, and as you know, Heather, as a mama of little ones, they grow really quickly. So they're coming in. You get to know your customers very well because they're constantly coming back for new shoes <laughs> because dancing shoes fit very firmly on a foot. They you don't fit a dance shoe with growing room. But we used to have mums coming in and saying they'd come in with the shoes with their children and say, can you please just check to see if these shoes fit or not? No, there was other stores that always would say, no, they don't. We need to sell you a new pair. Mm. Well, we would do the opposite. Obviously, if they were too small, we would say, yeah, these are too small. But then sometimes we would say, actually, you know what, they're probably going to get another six, eight weeks out of them. Come back and see us then. And they would always come back because they knew that they could come to us and, and trust that we would give them the honest answer. And it's something that I have always, always, the whole way through my business career, I, I believe that trust is like the very, very first thing before mm -hmm. anything else and and really, really, um, and, you know, that's why that, that client came back to you because you mm -hmm. built trust. Yeah. Well, and it's a little bit, it's interesting because as somebody who, and I've always done that, you know, it's always like client, client needs have to come first, right? And it's, I've never wanted to talk somebody into doing business with me or insist that, you know, I can do everything that they need because I don't, I'm really clear on what I do well and what I don't do well, but it's a little bit like that word authentic. 
like I, I find that I just assume people are trustworthy and that they're going to be authentic. Right. And unfortunately what you learn in business is there are many people who are not. (laughs) And as a, you know, somebody on the legal side, I end up hearing all of these horrible stories, even about, (laughs) yes, even about people that are known quantities in industries that, you know, you and I operate in that you think like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. And you get a peek behind the curtains. It's um, it is an interesting thing to get to know people's business practices and understand how many people really need help with the fundamentals, like what you're talking about, right? Because like for somebody like you, they come naturally. I think for some people out there, they do. And I think for many people, they have to figure it out through trial and error. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not taught this at school. There's 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 no subject in high school that's mm-hmm. how to run a business. Mm-hmm. And as where you know times are changing, even with the consulting space, there's so many more people that are consulting now that than are you know maybe that previously would have been in in an employment situation. Mm-hmm. So you know, they still need to do marketing and they still need to do Mm. taxes and, you know, there's all sorts of things that they need to to work on. So it doesn't come naturally. We weren't born understanding how to run a business and, you know, my fundamentals are good because I've failed and done a lot of things wrong. You know, when you're playing with your own money, you learn some things real fast. (laughs) Yes. Well, yes. And as small businesses, we don't have the room or the budget or the time to make too many mistakes over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we opened our very first store, it was in a an economic um, an economic mm-hmm. crisis, I guess. Um, the interest rates in Australia, and I, I believe most of the way around the world, were sort of eighteen to twenty percent. Um, so there was a lot of people hurting. There was a lot of people losing their homes, and we opened a business in this time in an area that was a blue collar area. So you know, both parents are working, and they're working their butts off. And looking back, it was such a beautiful learning. Uh, a spot to start learning because every cent mattered. So we had to really, really pay attention to where everything was going. And it meant that when the economy started picking up, things were, the the foundations were very solid. We were able to grow very quickly from there because we, we knew what worked and what didn't. Yeah. Well, and in looking at business foundations, and I'm sure you've had the experience to look at probably thousands of businesses and their foundations, what do you find, um, what, what for your clients are the most challenging pieces of those foundations? Yeah. So the first one is understanding their numbers. Most people don't understand like what's the cost of acquiring a customer or all sorts of there is so, there's just so many so numbers and you're like where to begin you know, yeah exactly but it's, it is those foundations of knowing mm. costs and and you know e- even projecting you know um i'll say to people okay what are your projections or you know wh- wh- where are you going mm. or okay you want to do that number that's really cool um how many clients do you need to acquire how you know what's your average ticket price how many you know how long do people stay with you so all of these numbers all paint a picture that actually gives you the answers and also you know the data doesn't lie 
but also you can manipulate your numbers not in a, in a bad way but if you if you want to achieve a certain outcome mm -hmm. there are different it's like a mixing desk you yeah. can actually it's move like the dial yeah to be able to get to that so to get to that outcome so um i think one of the things that people love when they work with me is i'm able to break those numbers down really mm -hmm. quickly and one of the first things that people say is oh i thought that was like a pie in the sky dream that actually looks really achievable because wow. once you actually see those numbers, it's like, mm -hmm. hey, well, now we can put a plan in place. If it's that number, then what do we do to get there? So that would be the first one. The second thing that I see, and this is definitely more so in the last in the last 10 years-ish, sort mm -hmm. of since the, the internet's been more um, prevalent, is messaging. Because messaging, now that we're online, needs to be a lot um a lot more focused and easily understood than it did sort of before the internet. So a lot of people struggle with their messaging. That would be the two things that I see that people are challenged with the most. Oh, yeah. Well, and you think about even the last handful of years and the changes on the internet and with online messaging generally, all the platforms, like there's just so much noise, right? Every day there's more and more people and businesses coming online. Mm -hmm. And so Absolutely. you have to be clear. You have to be more competitive. Like you, you have to really have clarity. Whereas I think in the early days of the internet, you just had to be there. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. In the wild, wild west of the internet, you could say anything and do anything and you were okay. <laughs> it's different now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so you've got, I mean, you, I'm sure you spend a lot of time on business fundamentals with people, but share a little bit, this topic of like, you know, looking at the periphery and these other ways that you support your clients on their journey. Are you willing to share some client examples? Of course. So one of the, one of the modalities that I use with my clients is a modality called human design and human design is our unique blueprint. It's exactly who we were, what's in our DNA, what makes us unique. Uh, and it's, like I said, it's in our DNA. So it's how we were at birth before conditioning and all these limiting beliefs and all of these things that, that you know, are layered on top of us in our life got in the way and helped us to start to not be ourselves so human design is looking at who we were at the time of birth how we're designed to um, move through the world how we're designed to make decisions how we're designed to do all sorts of different things and we use i use human design with my clients to help them really understand who they are so that they stop having so much friction because they're acting out of alignment in who they're meant to be and get more into flow. And as soon as, as soon as we're more in flow, we attract more of what we want. So um, human design has been amazing bringing it into the business and it just, my clients, where, when I first brought it in, I was like, oh, how are they going to be with this? But the second everyone learns um, their human design and, and certain things about them, every single one of them say, wow, I feel like I've just been given a, like a, um, a special note or mm. an invitation to be who I always knew I wanted to be, but always felt afraid to be. So it's, it's pretty incredible. 
Well, and it's, you know, some of these systems, and I know human design is like quite complex. We talked about it and you're like, well, there's not really like even the shallow overview of human design. There's a lot there. I know a little bit about it. Like I've waded my toes into it, but my sister's gotten quite into it. And she's like, you know, Heather, it's spot on. Like the way that I have to use my energy around my work, you like, it, you know, she, she needs to just allow things to show up and she can't be pushing. She can't be pushing, pushing. She doesn't even need to manifest. It's like, she needs to bring the manifestors into her life, you know, and she's really clear on it now. And it really does yeah. shape the way she's in sales really does uh-huh. shape the way that she approaches her work. Well, in sales, understanding human design is so perfect because then you don't just understand how you are, but you understand that other people do things different ways. Um, And like I said, with human design, we've all got different ways that we make decisions. The way that I make decisions is through my gut and I make them very instantly. My husband is an emotional authority, which means that he has to sort of wait for this emotional wave. Sometimes it might be 24 hours, sometimes it might be longer. But when we first met, and because my husband is in business with me, He used to think that I was really flippant because I made decisions really quickly. And I used to think he was a bit on the slow side because (laughs) he he couldn't make decisions and and he would force himself to make decisions quickly because he was trying to keep up with me. And when he did that, things would always go wrong. And then, you know, we would sort of blame each other, not in a bad way. We never argued about it, but, you know, there was that, that friction between us. Now we both understand that we're different. So he allows me to make a decision well he doesn't allow me but he understands that I make a decision really quickly I just give him the space to make it and now everything is just so much more in flow where Mm. things don't go wrong down the track because when you make decisions out of alignment it never ends well you know someone's going to be unhappy so this understanding that and where I was going with this is with your sister in sales understanding the way other people make their decisions is very 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 valuable right it's like well it just puts this whole additional layer of context that just helps us be more strategic better just better decision makers right that's how mm-hmm. i see it like you're just going to be yeah. even better at making the right decisions totally what do you see in your clients? Like, because you, you worked on the very, and I'm not going to say cut and dry, but very practical side for so long, right? When you started Mm -hmm. to layer this other stuff in, did you notice things changing with your clients or the way that they responded to you or the work? Talk to us a little bit about that. So where I thought that there would be people that would be sort of pushing back from that and I, I in my head I had this story that people might leave or be like oh Sam I don't want this the absolute opposite happened people mm-hmm. went tell me more oh my goodness I tried that and it works or you know even on our our weekly calls um, often I'll start the weekly call with an energy forecast of what's happening with the planets and and you know even for a little while I was like oh people aren't going to want to hear this but people would were starting to come to the call on time instead of late because <laughs> they knew if they didn't come on time they would miss the energy forecast so what I've actually noticed is that my clients 
understand the way that it all comes together Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they understand that it's um, really helped them in business and and just like I went through my own experiment they've gone through their own experiment and and realize how much easier they're getting their results as they lean into this so and I guess over time as people talk about it more and and what I'm doing I'm obviously attracting people that are more open to that as well Right. Well, it's, you know, even your, your whole, you know, title, which I think you've used for years in various ways in your business, influenced by de- design, life by design, right? I think <laughs> it, it is an actual demonstration of bringing that level of intention to your work and to your clients and opening the door for them to do the same. Totally. Like the whole time through every single industry that I've ever been involved in I'm I've always been really passionate about people doing what feels right to them and what makes them happy and when I went into um into business coaching you know I was very passionate about people not getting caught up in cookie cutter systems there's a lot of coaches saying this is the only way to do it you do it this way and you will get results and it's absolutely not true we're all unique people with unique wants and desires as well some some women want to have a business so that they can be at home with their children um, and pick them up from school and some women want to be traveling around the world and not have children and some women you know it doesn't matter what they want and you know it's the same for men we all want different things and whether you want a house with a white picket fence or whether you don't want a house at all when you want to travel the world then who am i to tell you that's not the way that it needs to be. I'm very, very passionate about whatever it is that you want to do. Let's build a business that matches that and very against cookie cutter systems. Mm, That's so refreshing to hear. I think that, I think a lot gets lost for people in the business building process when they're learning from people that are like, look, don't recreate the wheel, just do it this way, do it my way, right? It's, I agree with you that like your business should not look exactly like anybody else's business because you have to infuse yourself into it in order to really maximize not only what's going to make you happy in your business, but what is going to draw in and attract the right clients for you. Mm. That's different than somebody... Right. It's like, I just, it is the missing piece, like your uniqueness and doing things your particular way and actually refusing to imitate everybody else is what is going to make it for you. (laughs) hundred percent. It can be a scary place to be, you know, because you have to really lean into a lot of vulnerability to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you do, if you give yourself permission to do that, that's when the magic happens. Yeah. Well, and it's like, even personally, like having gone through a big website redesign last year. (laughs) For anyone that's not watching, the look on Heather's face as she said that. Right. It was a big eye roll, mostly because I was like, oh, it's done. But it literally was a project that took a year and a half start to like massive, right? Because I started it right after COVID and it was just, I had to table it. I had to like stop and start multiple times anyways. But 
the the fun part is now that it's live because it you know it happened in November finally last year is I've had calls with people who actually said to me and I'll be like my my previous website was not bad I never disliked it I built it myself and I was actually pretty proud of it like it got the job done but it wasn't mm-hmm. all of me it wasn't really infused with you know parts of me that it needed to be infused with and And now I have conversation with potential clients and the difference is obvious. Like I had a call with a woman on the East coast who's like, I've really been needing, and it took several weeks for us to get a call scheduled. Like it took a while, but she's like, I've been so excited to meet with you because I spent time on your website and I, I really feel like you are different than so many other attorneys that I've been talking to. Like it was just, it was such a breath of fresh air because there was still a little piece of me that was worried about like, oh, my website does not look like a a law office website. It's not going to have that same feeling. It's a very different feel and it was intentional, but you know, there's some small part of me that's still worried about that. Like, would people expect that showing up and getting legal services, right? No, the answer is no, is that Mm. that is what made her feel really like excited and refreshed about meeting with me. So, you know, that was one obvious example in my life where I was like, oh, I should have done this a while ago. (laughs) 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 But so, well, Sam, I, you know, I'm such a fan of your work. I know you are brilliant and you've built multiple businesses and you make things look easy that are not easy to accomplish. Um, For folks that are like, gosh, I need to go connect with Sam. I need to learn more about where she's at and what she's up to. Where do you like to connect online? So the best place is to go to my website. I've actually got a um, a plan called the Million Dollar Plan where you discover the nine key growth areas for your business so that you can make more money, have more freedom and have more impact. Uh, you can go to samanthariley.global forward slash plan to get a copy of that. We've talked lots about business fundamentals today and that has got the the nine areas really to start to understand what you need to be looking at to build a profitable business. Oh, I love that. So we will include that link in the show notes page. So obviously if you're listening, you can pop over to the show notes at legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash podcast. We will share that. And then of course, you know, any other social media links or anything you want us to share. Um, Sam, it's so, I'm just so happy to see you and get to connect with you. What final thought would you like to leave our listeners with? I want to leave people with are you really super duper excited about getting up in your business and to do your business every day and if you're not frothing to jump into it every day what is it that you can embrace so that you can be what is Mm. it that you need to to lean into and stop pretending that you're not so that you can just really just love what you do every single day Oh, I love that. And and if you don't love all of it, right? I know there are days where I don't love all of my business, but what parts can you love enough that you're getting yeah. excited about it, right? And I reconnecting to those parts. I love that. Thank you, Sam. It's such a pleasure Thank to have you. you. I can't wait to connect with you again. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast. 
We hope that we've added a little fuel to your tank, some coffee to your cup, and pep in your step to keep you moving forward in your own great adventures. For key takeaways, links to any resources mentioned in today's show and more, see the show notes, which can be found at legalwebsitewarrior.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please give us some stars and a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so others will find us too. Keep up the great work you are doing in the world, and we'll see you next week.